This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? It's awesome to be surrounded by your brothers and sisters and and just to be in our Father's house. Amen. Well, we're going to have a good time today. Obviously, we do have a, a, a pitch and dinner in a little bit, but that's not why you came, is it? That's not very convincing. Uh, you didn't come for the for the food today, right? Because you knew there's. OK. All right. You came for Jesus. All right. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Well, actually, um, we we just had a great time of praise and worship already today and and already uh, pastor had a great exhortation right there. And that's actually what my topic is today. It's going to be on uh, the topic of praise and worship. So apparently God does have something to say uh, that that wasn't planned or anything like that. Um, and so the title today is going to be check your praise pulse. And I'll uh, I'll explain that here in a minute. But, um, you know, oftentimes we, we like to show you a book that would also go along with the message and the topic of the day. And here's a book that I've read and I love called Understanding the Anointing uh, by Brother Hagen. It's right there in the bookstore. But you need to realize what the anointing of God is, because so many Christians in our day and age, they may have heard that word, but they don't actually understand what the anointing is. And listen to me, you need the anointing of God in your life to live in 2019. You need the anointing of God. You need the presence of God in your life if you're going to do anything uh, for the Lord. And so uh, we're going to get into the message here. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. You can kind of follow along with that. But the title today, as we said, is check your praise pulse. And and what do we mean by that? Well, one of the first things that you want to do uh, uh, when, when you're trying to find out if someone is still with us, if someone's still alive, right? You need to establish whether or not they have a pulse. And so that's one of the first things that an emergency person will do is they'll check the pulse. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I hate to say it, there's a lot of Christians in our society, in our realm, that they're really showing no signs of life spiritually, it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. You know, they, they may still be showing up to church. They may still be going through the motions and, you know, reposting on social media. You know, if you love Jesus, share this. And that's, those are all fine things to do. But really, there's no signs of life. And, and, and one thing that I've learned is if you want to see how healthy somebody's spiritual life is, if you want to see if they have any vitality, if you want to see if they have anything going on, Check if you're still praising God for anything, because I've realized that when somebody just quits praising the Lord, when somebody just doesn't worship anymore, when somebody just gets quiet and, and, and they're not actively praising God and thanking God and lifting up his name, you start to see somebody, you know, the, the screen just starts flatlining and, and they start to plateau. And if you're somebody that you used to be praising God, you used to be thanking God for what he had done, for what he had got you out of. Is there anybody in here? God rescued you from the bottom. You were not only at the bottom of the barrel, you were underneath the barrel and it was on top of you. And God came and he lifted you out. And you used to thank God for it every day. You used to be praising the Lord. You were right at the front lines, lifting your hands, thanking God. But now you're kind of like, all right, it's, 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 it's time for the songs. It's the song part of the service where we sing. If that's you, you better check your pulse because you are dying. 
You're, you're fading, whether you realize it or not. And, and, and if you're not moving forward with Jesus, if you're just sitting still, you start to move backwards eventually and you start to roll backwards. And I'm telling you right now, if you're in your life thinking, man, I just don't, I'm not feeling it like I used to. I, I just don't have the same desire to get, man, check your pulse. Check your pulse. Is there any life still there to praise God with? And if not, you need to fix that. And we're going to show you how to do that today. But but I'm telling you right now, you need to be alive in Jesus. You need to be you need to be vibrant. You need to have some life about you when it comes to the things of God. Because if there's one thing I don't have time for, I don't have time to sit in a boring church service. I've been to some, believe it or not. I've, I've been to a few. And, 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 and this isn't going to be one of those. This isn't going to be a bore. I don't have time to hang out with a bunch of old fuddy-duddy Christians that have no life about them at all. I'm serious. Have you been around somebody that, man, what are you talking? I've been saved for 60 years and, uh, and, 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 I, and, 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 and they just got this scowl about their face and they don't have any joy at all. Come on, why, why would you want to have anything to do with that? I want to be around very much alive Christians. I want to be around people that have some energy, that have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. They're singing to God, they're dancing to God, they're shouting to God, and God is doing things in their life. I want to be around people like that, not people that are going to put me to sleep every time we have a conversation. Amen? And so... Today, we're going to talk about praise and we're going to talk about worship. Check your praise pulse. And we're really going to look at the life of King David. We did that on Wednesday night, if you were here, and we talked about the courage of David. But David is somebody that was an expert in the area of praise and an expert in the area of worship. You mean there's a difference? There's a difference between praise and worship. And if I ask the the average Christian, what's the difference between praise and worship? Well, that's easy. Praise is the fast, loud songs. Worship's the slow, easy ones. Come on, everybody knows that. That's not actually the difference, okay? Praise is the songs and the times where we're thanking God for all He's done, when we're talking about His power, when we're talking about the magnificent things that He's done in our lives, how He saved us, how He rescued us, how He brought us up from the bottom. And that is awesome, man, to have a time of praise. And yeah, a lot of times that could be a fast, loud song. But worship is when you're not sitting there Asking God, Lord, do this in my life. Worship is when you totally turn the focus onto Jesus and you're singing to Jesus just because you love him and you're not asking him to come and rescue your life. And there's a time for that. Okay, there's a time for both things. There's a time to, to, to sing and yell and shout about what all Jesus has done and what he's going to do to bring you through your situation. And I love it. But there's also a time for worship where you just sing to Jesus, about Jesus, not because you want anything, just because you love Jesus. And I'm going to tell you now, it's, and I've found it's a lot easier to praise than it is to worship sometimes, because worship totally gets your eyes all the way off of you and only on Jesus and how much you love him. And sometimes, if you, especially if you're going through a hard time, it can be real easy to sing about how powerful God is and how much you need him to bail your behind out. That's, I mean, come on, if I'm doing bad, it's real easy to sing about that. But it's a little bit more of, of, of a challenge to only sing, Jesus, I just love you because I love you. I'm not here to ask for anything today. I'm just here to tell you that it's all about you. 
I want to see you become greater and greater and me become less and less. That's worship. And so we're going to check out some lessons from King David today in regard to the area of praise and worship. But I want you to examine your life and check your worship pulse, check your praise pulse and see, really, come on, are you alive or are you starting to kind of go the way of the buffalo? Are you starting to kind of phase out a little bit and you need to check yourself because there's never a point in your life where you are going to be called to not praise the name of Jesus anymore. That will always be a major part of the healthy Christian's life. And so let's go ahead and get into this. We're going to pray first of all. We better pray so I don't screw anything up here. I want Jesus to speak. I don't want Pastor Dave to speak today. You don't need that. You need Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. For the, for the time we've already had, Lord, where we got to be in your presence for a few minutes, Lord, we got to sing to you. And, and God, I pray that as we open our Bibles today, Lord, that you'll speak to us, show us things that we need to see, Lord. And I pray that, that, that you'll, you'll encourage us to be better in this area of praise and in worship, Lord, and help us to grow today. And Lord, sometimes growing hurts a little bit because we get stretched and it's uncomfortable. But God, I pray that you'll stretch us today and make us a little uncomfortable so we can be better for you because it's all about you in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Amen. So we're going to look at at some lessons from King David today in this area because he was a pro. He he was an absolute expert at it. And so the first thing I'm going to tell you today is this, is that number one is that David praised. David praised God. You got to get that, that David, he was a person that praised God. He was always talking about the Lord. He was always singing about God. And and the New Testament says that we should always have a song on our heart. We should always be fellowshipping with God and psalms and, and hymns and spiritual psalms is what it says. And, 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 I, and I'm curious how many Christians in here, you've always got a song of praise on your heart. Maybe it's something we sing here at church. Maybe it's something else. But you've always, you've, just, you've always got a little something, a little song you're singing to the Lord. It's in your heart every day. And if you don't, well, that's sad because that's the way that it should be. You should always be full of just some praise coming out of you a little bit. Whether you're at work, wherever you are, there should always be a song on the heart of a born again Christian. And so David was a praiser. He praised God all the time. And I'm telling you, there's a few different ways you can praise God, because often we we we, we categorize things. We just put things into a little box and say, well, this is how I've always done it. This is the only way to praise God. And there's more than one way to praise God. And that may be a newsflash to you, but there's more than one way that you can bring praise to God. Now, one way is obvious. Uh, we'll call this letter A. Follow my outline here. You can praise with singing. That's obvious. Everybody knows that you can praise with singing. And I want to show you what David said here in Psalm nine and verse eleven, Psalm nine and verse eleven. And, 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 and there's so many verses on this, especially in the Psalms regarding praising and worshiping God. There's so many, so many Psalms that David wrote about this. So it's kind of hard to narrow it down here, but we're going to look at Psalm 9 and verse 11. And, and it is my desire, it is my goal that you will get a little praise in your heart today. That if you've kind of flatlined in the area of praising God, that we will revive you today 
and get you alive to praise the Lord just a little bit. So Psalm 9 and verse 11, David said, sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. So what did he say? Sing. Sing praises, sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. And notice right there, David's talking about praising God and telling the world about his unforgettable deeds. That's absolutely praising. It's telling the world. It's telling God. It's telling the devil. It's telling anybody that's listening the things that God has done in your life. So David right here, he is an absolute person of praise. And he's saying right here, sing praises to the Lord. And so this is definitely one way to praise God because he said, sing praises to the Lord. And so, again, do you sing praises to the Lord? Well, that would be weird if I'm by myself singing. Come on, you know that you rock out in your car all the way to Fort Irwin every day, don't you? Or the Marine Bay, or wherever it is you go. I mean, you put your music on and you start jam, and you don't think it's weird if it's, you know, if it's whoever it is you listen to. I don't know who you listen to, but I'm sure it's great stuff. But I'm telling you right now, you don't feel, I've seen people, if you've been at a stoplight, somebody is sitting in their car, just absolutely, just rocking out to whatever it is, and you could stare at them and they don't feel dumb at all. They look at you like you're the weird one. Got a problem? They don't feel weird at all rocking out to their music. And, and, and that's fine. You have that freedom. But don't you look at me weird when I'm singing to Jesus and I'm doing it loud and I don't care that you're listening. So come on. You're supposed to sing praises. Another way that you can praise is you can praise with shouting. You can shout to the Lord in praise. Well, that would be really weird. Well, how come you don't? I mean, I go to basketball games and I go to baseball and football games, too. But I'm telling you, when I go to a basketball, it is it's not you're weird if you're not shouting. There's 20,000 other people shouting, beating their chest, threatening the referee, all sorts of stuff. And if you're not doing it, you're the weirdo. But how come when it comes to church, you shout to God and everyone thinks you're weird? Why is that weird? If you can shout for whoever your favorite baller is, Victor Oladipo, come on somebody, or whoever it is, you know, whoever your ball, if you can shout for hoops, if you can shout for football, whatever it is, and, and, and nobody, it's perfectly normal, that's perfectly acceptable and normal, how come it is you can't shout for Jesus and that be normal? Seriously. Come on. And so, so let's look here regarding this, because shouting, you can shout and praise God. Let's look at Psalm 98, verse 4. Psalm 98, verse 4. But we need to break maybe some stereotypes you've had about praising and worshiping God. We need to break through some walls that you've put up about, well, there's one way to do it, and that's to sing with your hands in your pockets. No, there's more than one way to praise God. Psalm 98 and verse 4. Psalm 98 and verse 4, and it says this, whisper to the Lord, friends, don't be loud, don't be loud. Now, you could offend somebody, they'll think you're weird. Well, they're going to offend me if they're quiet. Anyway, shout to the Lord, all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. It says right there to shout to the Lord. And there is a time and there is a place to shout to the Lord and, and to praise his name. And listen, it, 
I don't care if it offends somebody because I'm not shouting for them. I'm not singing for them anyway. I'm shouting and singing for Jesus. And I will tell you that if you if you decide to go to the next level with Jesus, if you decide to step your walk up just a notch and, and become a person of praise, become a person that is filled with the spirit of God. I'll just tell you right now, you're going to offend some people. And I don't I mean, you know, if, if that's too scary for you, for somebody to think you're weird, they probably already think you're weird. But for them to just come out and say it, listen to me, if you're afraid of that, then then this isn't for you. But if you if you are ready to have the life that King David had. Come on, David is the one guy in all the Bible that it says is a man after God's own heart. I would love for that to be something that God said about me. This was a guy, this, this is a man right here that he's after my own heart. He's not perfect, but, but man, he, he chased after me and he followed me every step of the way. I want the Lord to say that about me when it's all said and done. And sitting there like this, quiet and ashamed to be able to, to, to shout to the Lord in praise. That's, that's not going to get the job done. There's a time and there's a place to shout to the Lord. And, and, and a lot of Christians that, you know, that they may feel this is undignified. I've been to some churches. If you were to shout, first of all, you'd wake everybody up that was asleep, which technically is rude. But at the same time, I mean, they'd kick you out the door. They would just, they'd flat kick you out the door because that's undignified. Well, David didn't think it was too undignified to shout to God. He didn't care because he was wild with praise. And so when it comes to praise, you can praise God by singing. You can praise God by shouting, according to Psalm 98. And you could also, another way, is you can praise God with instruments and dancing. Again, everything that happened earlier, dancing and and shouting, none of that was planned before this sermon. This is all uh, just flowing together. But you can praise God with instruments and with dancing. Let's look at Psalm 150. Psalm 150. We're just laying the groundwork here before we get into some deeper things. Psalm 150. But if, if you've been one that, well, I'll praise God when I get to church. You don't have to wait till you're at church to praise God. You can praise God anywhere. Or maybe you've kind of been in this box your entire Christian life where the only way that you can praise is just by singing quietly to yourself. Listen, you can you can do better than that, too. There's a lot of different ways to praise God. And so Psalm 150, we're going to look at verses four through six. Psalm 150 verses four through six. It says, praise him with the tambourine and dancing. There you go. That's an instrument. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Come on. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so it listed a whole bunch of different instruments right there. And, and, and every single one of them, it's talking about getting loud. It's talking about rocking out for Jesus and having a little praise in your step. Now, I went to this uh, Christian school in, in high school, and, and they're wonderful people that love the Lord, but they were completely opposed to any musical instruments outside of just the piano and a hymn book. 
they didn't even believe in like Christian rock music or anything like that. Or I mean, they they thought it was all the devil. If it had to be, you know, if your foot started tapping, you had. I mean, then that was something bad happening. And so they only believed there was one. There was only one way to praise and worship God, and that was with an organ or a piano and a hymn book. And praise God, you could worship God that way. I'm not denying that, but. They, somebody must have misinformed stupid old David over here because this nut was praising God with cymbals and strings and flutes. And, th- and this psycho was dancing before the Lord. I mean, it's too bad that they didn't inform David here. He was so misinformed that there's only one way to praise God. And, and it's that. No, there's a lot of ways to praise God. David wasn't misinformed. Jesus wasn't misinformed. There's more than one way. And, 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 and it isn't only just sitting in church quietly whispering to yourself. You could praise God that way. I'm sure you could. But it's also totally correct to praise God with instruments, with dancing, with shouting, with singing as loud as you want to sing. All of those things are completely biblical things to do. And so, again, a lot of churches maybe only recognize one way to praise and worship God. But I'm telling you, there's more than one way. You can praise God just with an instrument without even any singing at all. Well, how do you do that? I mean, think about David. He was a musician. He played the harp and he would he would sit there and play. And when he played the harp, evil spirits would leave King Saul just from the music. It doesn't say that David was singing. David would just sit there and play and worship on the harp and evil spirits would leave people. That's incredible. Why? I don't think it was just because David was such a great harp player. I'm sure he was good at it. But David was taking it a step further, and he was praising God with an instrument. And I'm telling you, I've been in services. I've been in, in times of praise where somebody's just simply playing an instrument, but they're praising God with it. And I'm getting just as much anointing, just as much power out of that as if somebody was singing words, even though no words were sung at all. Why? Because according to David in Psalm 150, you can praise God simply with instruments alone. That's something to think about. And so well, we're kind of educating you a little bit here before we get into some deeper things. But I'm telling you that there is power in your praise. And so we looked at a few examples of ways to praise, but I want to put it in action. Look with me to Second Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel chapter 6. Who's glad they came to church today? I'm, man, I'm glad I came. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 14 through 16. And and David, as we said, he is an absolute man of praise. He loved to praise and to worship God. And David couldn't contain himself. He didn't care what he looked like. He didn't care where he was at. David was going to get his praise on whether you cared about it or not. And so here we have in 2 Samuel 6, uh, the Israelites had captured the city of Jerusalem and taken it from the Jebusites, and they're going to make this their capital. And to this day, thank you, Jesus, Jerusalem belongs to the Israelites, to the Jews, and it's being recognized as their capital once again. That's all the way in our day and age. That's fresh news. But 2 Samuel chapter 6. Verses 14 through 16. So they're dancing and, and they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant in uh, to, to Jerusalem. And David is having a, a, just a, an amazing time with this. But Second Samuel chapter 6, 
Look at verses 14 through 16. It says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. And so I don't think David was just kind of out there, you know, kind of not. I mean, David was killing it on the dance floor. David was cutting a rug. I'm not a dancer, so I don't know what lingo to use right here. But David was, ab- you know, I, I remember the movie Major Pain where he just kind of starts dancing a little bit. Like, I, I kind of think of that. But but David was absolutely dancing with all of his might. He was going nuts out there, dancing and praising before the Lord. And this is a legit thing. And so he's dancing. And uh, verse 15, so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, that was David's wife, remember? He won her as a prize when he killed Goliath. Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. Okay, so we're going to study this out a little bit. So here's David dancing with all of his might. He wasn't dancing for his wife. He wasn't dancing for the people. David was dancing for the Lord because he was so full of praise. That was the only way that he could figure to express himself anymore was to start dancing. And so he's dancing. He didn't care what he looked like. People could have thought he was a fool. And keep in mind, David is the king of the country here. This isn't just some dude. This isn't just like, oh, this is some crazy guy dancing. That was the leader of the country, the king, out there dancing on the streets. I think, I mean, most people I know these days, they care way too much about what they look like. And, and, and they're, well, you know, that's for some people, but, you know, I... I'm a, I'm a supervisor at Fort Irwin. I, I'm, I'm a manager at the railroad. I, uh, I manage the restaurant. I, I couldn't look undignified. That would, that would be silly. This was the king of the country, people. This was the number one guy, and he was out there tearing it up on the streets before the Lord. And he, I mean, he may have looked like a fool, but he flat out didn't care. And so it says right here that his own wife, she wasn't even down there on the streets with everybody else. She was up there in a window somewhere looking down there and her heart was, she was like, oh my God, he's embarrassing all of us now. Dear God, what a fool. And, and his wife is so embarrassed that her heart was filled with contempt. She got mad at David. And I'm telling you, if you're up there in the nosebleeds judging those that are on the court actually doing something, you have no room to talk. If you're up, if you're on the, if you're a spectator, just judging the guy that actually is worshiping, then you have no room to talk until you're actually out there participating. Amen. Because there's a lot of people, this is like me watching football. I'm, I'm telling the quarterback how to play when obviously he's the one out there and I'm sitting on my couch eating Doritos for a reason. Uh, there's, I'm not qualified even to even begin to tell him what to do. And if you're out, if you're in the back sitting or you're sitting down during worship, look at that guy. My gosh, he can't sing at all. At least he's singing. At least he's doing something. You're sitting on your can in the presence of God and making fun of the guy that's actually trying to do something for the Lord. Your opinion doesn't count. You're not allowed to even have an opinion. And we're David's wife right here, Michael. She was she she had no room to say any. She was upstairs 
playing, you know, on Instagram or something stupid while everybody else was down there praising God. She was not allowed to have an opinion, but she had one anyway. And so let's skip down here to verse 20. Her heart was filled in, in absolute contempt for David because she thought he was being a fool. And so verse 20, when David returned home to bless his own family. So here he is, a working man. He comes home to bless his own family. Praise God for that. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. And she said, honey, I'm so glad you're home. No, she didn't say that. She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. I was, and then David kind of throws it, I think a little bit of a jab. He says, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. Ooh. Oh, dang, man. Yeah, he chose me before your father and all of his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. My dancing offended you? Well, it wasn't for you anyway. And so David kind of, he pops off to his wife here. I mean, I think there was some, some marriage counseling in line for this couple. I, I, this didn't look good. And so he says, I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. Even to be humiliated in my own eyes, those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. She had some judgment come upon her life for getting mad at David for dancing before the Lord. But out of all this, I mean, what a crazy situation that she would come against David for for praising God. I mean, I know most most wives that I know they would love it if their husbands would praise God. Because on average, especially I mean, actually worldwide, women are generally much more spiritual than men. And you can trace that back to like hundreds of years ago. Women are typically much more in line spiritually with men. Thank God we've got a lot of godly men in this church. Most churches I've been to, it's a whole lot more women than men, but we're doing good at High Desert. But I'm telling you right here, most of the wives that I know, they would be thrilled if their husband would actually get up and praise God someday. They'd be absolutely ecstatic to have a man of God that went out and praised God all day, then came home to bless his own family too, as the scriptures say. But here's this woman getting mad at her husband for praising God. And he said, and you thought that was foolish. I'm willing to take it up a notch. I'm willing to look a whole lot crazier than that. You think that's crazy? I'll show you crazy, woman. Whoa. Wow. Call Dr. Phil. They, they, I mean, they were in a, a bind here, but they were in a situation. And David, he, he was not the type to say, oh, I look stupid. Okay, I won't praise God anymore. I don't want to look stupid. He's like, oh, I can go a whole lot crazier than that. I can, I can turn it up to 11. I was at a 10, but I'll go to 11. That was, I can take it a whole step further. But David didn't care what people thought. And I wondered why God said David is a man after my own heart. Because David didn't care about your opinion. David cared about God's opinion. And if we had a lot more Christians like that in 2019, I think we'd be a whole lot further along than what we are now. God's opinion matters about me. Your opinion, not so much. Right? 
Come on. That's the attitude you should have. So David knew how to praise God. Number two, David, he worshiped. David knew also how to worship God. So David could go crazy, but David could also have those quiet times where it was just about worshiping the name of the Lord. And so Psalm 29, we're covering a lot of verses today. Psalm 29, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. Do we have any praisers in the house today? (laughs) Amen. Do we have any worshipers in the house? Yes, yes. I'm telling you, man, I've got Sunday night, April 7th, which is next Sunday night, marked on my calendar. I am so ready to have a night of worship before God. You can be there. You cannot be there. I don't care because I'm not there for you. I'm going to be there to worship God. I'm going to be there to praise God. I don't care what else is going on that night. I'll skip any football game, any basketball. I'll skip it all. Just I want to be in the presence of God. And it's I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be absolutely off the charts. So uh, Psalm 29, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. So we've seen several places where David specifically used the word praise. But here we are, Psalm 29. It says, Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for the glory, or for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And so David, I I sense a whole different tone here than I did in the praise ones. So David right here, he's saying, Lord, I just want to honor you. I want to honor you for the glory of your name. Not, I want to honor you because you rescued me, because you beat the giant, because, and those are all good things to honor God for. But right here, this is a whole different tone. This is a whole different uh, angle that David's coming from. He says, I'm going to honor the Lord just simply for the glory of his name. When you're honoring God for the glory of his name, that has nothing at all to do with you. That only has to do with worshiping and honoring God. And then it says, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. This is an entirely different tone. Praise is awesome and equally important. And worship is awesome and equally important. The healthy Christian has both things in his life. The healthy Christian praises God. The healthy Christian also worships God. But here we have David switched over from praise mode and dancing mode and shouting mode and beating the cymbals with all of his strength mode to kind of getting a little more still before the Lord and saying, I I just want to honor you for the glory of your name. I want to worship you in the splendor of your holiness. And I can sense a big difference in these verses. And so praise, I've heard it said, is opening up to God. Worship is entering in. Praise is opening up. Worship is entering in to his presence. And what you need in your life, whether you realize it or not, maybe you don't even know it, but what you need in your life is the presence of God. Maybe Some of you realize that. Some of you don't realize that yet. But what I'm telling you is, is you need the presence of God in your life. Because when you've got, when you've got God's presence in your life, man, Everywhere you go, it doesn't matter where you are. You may be in an area where where people have been fighting and people have been cursing and all this stuff. And you kind of just got this cloud around you where you don't even you don't even realize it, man. You are just in the presence of God. And in his presence, the scripture says, is fullness of joy. 
You show me someone that's got the joy of the Lord all the time, I'll show you somebody that's been in the presence of God. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. You show me somebody that's sad and, and, I'm, and you know, depressed, and, and you never know what mood they're going to be in. God, I mean, I love everybody. God bless you. I, I have difficulty with moody people. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to be funny or mean right now. I have serious difficulty with someone with you never, ever know. If they're going to be just on top of the world that day or the next day, they're just like, oh, man, life is bad. It's, it, it's bad, but it's probably going to get worse. You know, but then the next day they're happy and skipping and, 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 and singing and whistling. And then the next day they're angry and want to fight somebody. And then the day after that, I mean, I struggle with people like that. that, I, that that's a difficult thing to be around. But I can tell you somebody like that is somebody that does not have the presence of God in their life. The presence of God is a stabilizing factor in your life. And how do you get the presence of God? Well, I can tell you one major way is to be a person that worships God, to be a person that can kneel down before God and say, I'm Lord, I just I just want to be. Can I just be around you today? Can I just hang out with you? You know, your kids, they just want to hang out with you, especially when they're smaller. They just want to be with you all the time. You know, Sam always comes up, Daddy, I want to hold you, which means that he wants me to hold him. But but he's always, you know, he's always wanting me to, he just wants to be with me all the time. And that's that's awesome. I love it. But that's how we should be with God. Like, man, I just want to be with you. I'll go to work. I'll go. But I, I just want to be with you, Jesus. Uh, uh, can I sing to you a little bit? Can I just hang out with you this morning? Can I just be with you? Being in the presence of God, that's somebody that knows how to worship God. And it's not all about them. It's about Jesus. And so David right here, he completely changes his tone and his tune. And he's saying, I I just want to worship you for the honor of your name. Let me show you some New Testament proof of worship. Let's look at John chapter four, which pastor made uh, reference to earlier. John chapter four, because it's great to see what David's talking about here. But Jesus himself talked about the New Testament version of worship. And so John chapter four, we're going to look at verses 20 through 24. Is anybody learning something today? John chapter four. Verses 20 through 24. And so if you're familiar with this story, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Jesus is going uh, on a trip with his disciples and so he stops for some water. He sends the disciples to go get some food. And he stops and he starts talking uh, to this Samaritan woman who's sitting there at the well. And Jesus says, hey, could, could, could you get me a drink too? And first of all, she's like, why are you talking to me? Because she's a Samaritan and he's a Jewish person. And they didn't get along at all. They fought like cats and dogs. And so she's just shocked that a Jewish guy is actually talking to her. And so... They start talking and and Jesus offers her what he calls living water. But John chapter four, let's get down here to verse 20, because they start to kind of have uh, this 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 discussion. I don't want to use the word debate, but a discussion here. And so John chapter four, verse 20. So tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. And so they, they couldn't even get along on how to worship God. Verse 21, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. 
And so Jesus was saying, this time is here. It's coming when it doesn't matter where you worship God. You could be in your car. You know, they didn't have cars, but you could be at work. You could be at home. You could be at church. You could be in New York. You could be in California. You could be in Italy. You could be in France. It doesn't matter. You could just worship God anywhere you are. I mean, that sounds awesome. Verse 22, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Jesus himself is a Jew. And so verse 23, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. That's good news. The time is not only coming, but the time is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Oh, man. That sounds beautiful. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Are there any true worshipers in the house? Because apparently there's there's fakers. Because Jesus said the time's coming when the true worshipers. Do you know do you know somebody that kind of can put on a front and act like they you know they're part of the crowd or or, or they know what they're doing? But when it comes down to it, they they really don't. And Jesus said, the time is coming when the true worshipers, the real worshipers, they're going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that sounds awesome to me, but I've never really thought about that because Jesus made a a, a difference here. He named two things to worship in spirit and also worship in truth. And I kind of got to thinking about that because I've been to a lot of churches and a lot of places and I've seen churches where they absolutely worship the Father in spirit. I mean, they may go buck wild yelling and shouting and dancing and sometimes other things. And, 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 and the spirit, they're all about the spirit. There's very little substance to what they're singing about. I mean, and some of the modern worship songs, I, I don't know if they're talking about a girl he's in love with, if they're talking about Jesus. What, I mean, what's going on? And so there's not a lot of truth, not a lot of substance to the worship. It may sound good and it may be, I mean, just wild and spiritual, but there's not a lot of truth involved. But then I've been to some other churches where the songs may have substance. There may be scripture in it, but there's no spirit at all. None at all. I was thinking of one of my friends in Oklahoma. He talked to me. He he, he went to, uh, he visited, Katie's laughing. She knows this story. He visited uh, a friend's church kind of as a favor. Uh, he went to a, a spirit-filled church like ours and uh, very upbeat and stuff. And so he visited, I won't name the denomination, but uh, a very, and I've been to this denomination, and I, I'm not poking fun, but it was it was very, very boring. I couldn't stay awake. And I'm not, again, not being mean, I took the best nap of my life during this church. Sir. I woke up, and I was ready to tackle the world. Very, very boring. And and so, um, and so... He, he goes to this church and and uh, his friend's mom was playing a special on the organ that day. And so after the service, she comes up. And she's like, Ray, how did you like that? And he's like, you know, he was trying to wake up. He's like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, I played a 15th century dirge on the organ today. 15th. What is that? Like the 1600s or something? I mean, 15. That, that's a long time ago. And And so she plays this dirge i'm a musician i'm not quite sure what a dirge is funeral music okay and so she plays a she plays a a 15th century dirge and she's like ray how was it and he he looks her square in there and says listen to me evelyn listen right now i love you you need to purge the urge to dirge (laughs) 
he, he's like, promise me you'll never do that again. Never. That was so boring. He said that I almost didn't love Jesus anymore. So, like, well, don't don't say that, Ray. But he's like, that was the most boring thing. Promise me you'll never do it again. And I, and 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 I'm telling you, I've been to places where it's like that, where maybe there's truth, but there is no spirit whatsoever. And so Jesus said, the time is coming when true worshipers will worship in spirit. But they'll also worship in truth, spirit and truth. And he said, in fact, the father is seeking people like this. And so I'm like, man, if God's seeking people like that, I want to be one of those. You know what I mean? What if God put out, you know, a, a, a poster and said, I'm looking for people that will do this, this. I'm like, man, if God wants that, then, yeah, sign me up. That's exactly what I want to be. And so according to Jesus, the New Testament method of worship is somebody that can worship in spirit and in truth there's some people that have one or the other but jesus said the father is seeking those that'll do both and so david listen to me he knew how to praise david knew how to worship but there's a third thing i want to say and it's this praise and worship got david through the worst times through the absolute worst times and maybe uh maybe you haven't caught on to this yet but when you're going through the storm, when you're going through the battle, that is the time to start praising God and to start worshiping God. Now, the best flip over to first Samuel 30. I'll show you something. But a lot of people, they catch on to this concept. And so they'll start praising God through the tough times just, you know, to 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 pull the lever and get the miracle. And I mean, yeah, I get that. But what you got to realize is these guys we see in the Bible that praised God out of their tough times, they weren't just praising and worshiping so God would get them out of the. That was their lifestyle already. You know, Acts chapter 16, I'm not going to go there today, but uh, Paul and Silas, they're arrested and beaten and stripped and thrown into the inner dungeon. And, and, and it's, it's midnight and they start praising and singing and, and worshiping God. And an earthquake comes and it shakes the prison and all the prisoners chains fall off. And so oftentimes, you know, we look at that, that man, praise caused the breakthrough. It's awesome. And it did. But that Paul and Silas, that wasn't the only time they praised God. They did this all the time. That's why they had the breakthrough. That's why that that's why God got them out of the situation. What I'm trying to say is they weren't only praising God to get out of the bad situation they were in. It was their lifestyle. Now, praise will get you out of the bad situation. But it happens when praise is your actual lifestyle. Like, it's not the first time that God's heard from you in years. You know, you're in a bad spot, so God finally hears from you again. I'm talking about God hears from you every day. You talk to God, He talks to you every day. And you need to have a relationship with God like that. You can't have a healthy relationship with someone that you only talk to every five or six years. Or only when you need, you know, whenever you're in a bad spot, your best relationships and your healthiest and, and, and the ones that you know the best are those that you talk with every single day. I know my wife and my kids really well. I see them every day and I talk to them every day. There's some people that I, you know, have a relationship with, a cordial relationship. You know, I, I know them, but I don't know them like I know my wife and kids, Right. And so there's things I could ask of my wife and kids and my parents and my brothers. And, and because 
I mean, I know them on a whole other level. I, I could ask them for a favor and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But to go ask the guy that I talk to once every two or three years when I see him, you know, hey, I really need a favor right now. I barely know you, man, but what do you need? I, I don't See, and that's how so many people treat God. What I'm trying to say is Paul and Silas got the breakthrough because they praised God seven days a week. And so when they were praising God in the dungeon, it wasn't out of the ordinary for them to be doing this. This was their regular life. When you're a praiser, when you're a worshiper, it's part of your daily life. It's not just when you need something. But praise and worship did get David through the worst times of his life. First Samuel chapter 30. Check this out. First Samuel 30. And so here's a story of David when something bad happened. Uh, verse 1, it says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. Well, there's just one problem. That's where David's family was and all of his stuff. So the Amalekites came and absolutely plundered their village. They, they, they stole everything, then they burned the remainder to the ground. That's a pretty bad day right there. What, what if you came home and realized that somebody had stolen all of your stuff, your cars were gone, all of your stuff's gone, and on top of it, they saw fit to burn your house down on the way out? I don't know about you. That's a, that's a bad day. That's, that's a pretty tough one. That's, that's a difficult time. But, but keep going here because it gets worse. Verse 3, they had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Thank God they didn't kill them. But they kidnapped the wives and the kids. And, 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 and when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. They cried every tear that they had. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow from Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David had a couple of wives. Don't recommend that. I'm just saying right now. But David did. And so... David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. And so all these guys, I mean, that, that could make a man angry. You take his wife and his kids and all of his stuff. He's liable. I mean, emotions are a crazy thing. They should have been mad at the Amalekites, but they turned their anger to David. And they're like, well, he's our leader. Let's just kill him. And so they began to talk of stoning David himself. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And what I want to break that down because in the King James, verse 6, it says this. You can flip over to verse 6 there, Heather. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And, and, and how do you think David encouraged himself? I'll tell you exactly how, and I don't even have to read it. Because I've seen a pattern in David's life. Whenever David is up against the wall... David starts talking to God about the things that God's already brought him through every time. We talked about this on Wednesday night at church. When David faced Goliath, Goliath said, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to feed your little behind to all the, the wild animals. You're nothing. I'm going to absolutely murder you, kid. And David starts said, oh, no, time out. Whoa, time out. Wait, because my God, he rescued me from the lion, from the bear. He's rescued me from all sorts. And David starts talking about all the things that God's already done. For, and David breaks out into praise before he goes and fights the giant. David does this time and time again in his life. When David is up against the wall, David begins praising God by remembering the things God already did. And so this is kind of vague. It says, 
David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David found strength. I know how David encouraged himself. David started praising. David started thanking God. Well, man, you killed. I remember the time, Lord, that you killed that bear. I remember the time that you helped me kill that one. I remember the time a big giant was trying to take down my entire country, and I killed him with a rock. And then David starts bringing up all these things that God has already done in his life. David turns to praise because David used praise as a weapon in his life. You're trying to fight spiritual warfare. You're trying to fight spiritual battles. Well, one weapon that you have is the weapon of praise. And David was an absolute sharpshooter when it came to praise. He's, oh, man, I got this. And so David starts praising God. And then you know what happens? He tracks down the guys that stole his stuff and kills every last one of them. I'm, I'm not going to read all that, but later on in the chapter, David tracks down those guys and he, he, he's moving down on them. They're down there in the valley. They're dancing and getting drunk and, and, and partying and all this stuff. And David's like, oh yeah, it's payback time. And David goes down there and starts absolutely, they, it says they killed so many guys, their arms got tired. And, and that's a little gruesome, but, but the, the, David and his men, they went down there and they got revenge and got every last thing back. But it all started when David began to praise. I want to tell you one story before we kind of close things out here. Brother Hagin was telling this story about there was this missionary girl uh, back in the 30s. And, and, and she, she, had, she had had this sickness. And I think it was tuberculosis or something. But, but she was kept trying to get through it. And she prayed every day. She got more and more people. Would you pray for And she got everybody praying. But she just wasn't getting any better. And then the Lord gave her a vision one day. And, and the Lord, and it was a picture of these scales, you know, the old fashioned scales where you kind of weigh things and the heavier thing goes to the bottom. And so God showed her this picture in her mind of a scale. And on one side, it said prayer. And on one side, it said praise. The prayer side was all the way down. The praise side had nothing in it. And God said, that's your problem. You need to balance things out. All you do is pray. You never praise me for anything. And God told her when your praise begins to balance with your prayer, you're going to get your miracle. And so she spent the next two days, two full days, just praising God, worshiping God, and glorifying the name of God. And within two days, she was completely healed of that disease and went back to the mission field and served God forever. I've got one more story. Do you have time for one? i got one more. All right. And so there's this preacher also back in the, the 30s or 40s, and he, I know for sure in his case, he had tuberculosis. And, and we, we kind of look at that now like, but you realize that was like the leading cause of death back then. That was a bad, bad thing. Most people died of it. And so here, here we have this preacher, and he, and he got it, and, and, and he was getting worse and worse. He had to quit preaching, and he had people everywhere praying for him. He had thousands of people praying for him, and it was not getting better. And so finally, he was, had nowhere else to go. He completely quit preaching, completely quit everything. He went out to his father-in-law's farm out in Texas just to have some peace and quiet because nothing was getting better. And so he's laying there one day in bed because he's pretty much paralyzed at this point in time. And he tells God, he says, I'm either going to, I'm going to pray until I either get better or I die. I'm going to crawl out there to that tree stump out there in the yard and I'm going to lay there and I'm going to pray. And Lord, I either want to die or I want to get healed. And, and, and that's how bad it was. And so he gets all the strength he has and he crawls his way out there to that tree stump. And he starts praying 
And, and, and then he's like, you know what? I've been praying and I've got thousands of people praying. And maybe I should praise God a little bit. I'm just going to, you know what? Whatever happens, God, I'm going to praise you either until I get better or until I die. And so he starts praising God. He starts singing. And at first it's just a little bit of a whisper because that's all the strength that he has. He's whispering, God, I praise you. Jesus, you're good. And, 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 and as he does it, he starts to get just a little bit louder because he's getting a little more strength. And, and, and he gets up on one knee and he starts praising God from one knee for a minute. And his voice is getting louder. Next thing you know, but he's up on both feet praising God. And next thing you know, he's running around the yard yelling at the top of his lungs praising God. It was so loud that a neighbor a mile and a half up the road came down to see what all the commotion was. He was praying so loud, praising so loud that people heard him miles away and they came and he was dancing and running and praising God. And he was 1000% totally healed of that disease. And he got back out there to preach and, and doing the will of God. And so what I'm telling you is he had to check his praise pulse because his praise life was non-existent, pretty much like a whole lot of Christians are, and they're dying and they're dying fast. And I'm telling you today, in your situation, in your life, where's your praise pulse? Has it pretty much died out since, well, you know, I've got, I don't need anything from God right now. I've got what I need. I've got, I've got the money. I've got the job. And yeah, I did all that when I first came in. Or are you still just as excited about Jesus as the day that he pulled you out of the ditch? Come on. It's easy to be excited when you just get pulled out of a bad situation. But the mature Christians, those that God can use, are the ones that they stay excited about Jesus 10 years later, 20 years later, 15 years later. They stay excited. And so what I'm bringing before you today is this. And we're going to we'll close out. I'll leave you alone after this. I swear I'll leave you alone. But listen to me. How is your praise life? How is your worship life? Is it healthy or is it kind of just fizzling out? You need to examine that. And I know that God has something in store for you if you'll worship and you'll praise God. And if you're in a bad spot right now, one weapon you could use is to start singing praises. Even if you don't feel like it, start praising the name of the Lord and watch what God will do for you. He will shake the prison you're in and break those chains. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.